Are you ready for God's word? Amen. Amen. God's word is important. We've been talking about the family. Today we conclude our sermon series that, that was in, that's entitled Family. Last week we said many families are in distress. And they feel like they're wandering or out at sea and they're, they're, uh, their family's at stake. And so they're sending out SOS signals. They're sending out a signal of SOS, of distress. And SOS means save our ship or save our souls. Well, God sent us an SOS as well. His name was Jesus. And in the Sermon of All Sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, SOS, the Sermon of Sermons, He gives us the key to life. And I said last week that though He gives us the key and He emphasizes it three times, very few people will actually do it. And the reason we, we don't actually step forth and practice this key to life is because we've taken it for granted. And that's one of the most dangerous things you can do in a relationship is take your loved one for granted. And yet, so many of us do the same. I want to ask you a question. I want you to be completely honest. After all, you're in church, right? Uh, be completely honest. How many of you spent time in the secret place this last week? Listen to me. At least five times a week. At least five times in the last week. Raise your hand high. All right, good job. That's the ones that didn't spend time. They don't want to celebrate you. <laughs> They're like, no. Hey, listen, you can do it too. And the question is, why didn't you? And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to make you be um, self-reflective, intentional. To think and go, why didn't I? I, I, would, I would say that it was more than likely time constraints. But why do you have those time constraints? So I want you to go deeper. Sometimes when I have these conversations with my kids, they give me a reason and go, but that's not the reason. Go deeper. Right? Go deeper. Why do you have those time constraints? Where is that time going? Who gave you the time? You know, I, I, I'm reminded of uh, Pastor Yunji Cho, who had the largest church in the world. And the church was in Seoul, Korea, and they had over a million people at its, at its biggest. They had a prayer mountain where people would go pray, and, and uh, on occasion, pastors would come over for conference or to come see what God was doing in his ministry, and they would be made aware that he was praying some four, six, eight hours a day. And they were saying, how can you afford to pray that much, that much when you have so much to do? Pastoring a church of a million people and all the different uh, uh, going-ons of a church that size, it's impossible to pray that much. How, how can you afford it? He says, I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to. And some of us... Um, need to remember that. I know I'm going to remember that this week. I can't afford not to pray. Amen. I can't afford not to include God. I can't afford not to sacrifice whatever it takes to be, 
to be with the Lord. Because after all, today's message is about sacrifice. Come on, how many of you know that sacrifice is central to the Christian message? Without sacrifice, there is no Christianity. It was the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross that gave us salvation. Gave us salvation. I don't care what the, the secular media says. I don't care what the influencers say. I don't care what Oprah Winfrey says that, that sacrifice was not necessary and there is no atonement. You don't need atonement because there is no sin. I guess if you're a new ager, that sounds great. But you and I know better. We know there's sin. We know. Why? Because it, it plagues us and it haunts us when we do it. It's called a conscience. We know when we do wrong. And no amount of trying to, trying to disguise it or, uh, or, or deny it does any good. Why? Because I have no remedy for my guilt and shame if not by Jesus Christ. Amen? It's Jesus Christ that helps us and says, give me that guilt. Give me that shame. Give me your failures and I'll give you righteousness in return. Amen? And so sacrifice is what it's all about. And he gave so that we could live. Now I want to remind you of something. Others may have what you don't have because they were willing to sacrifice what you won't. They have what you don't because they sacrifice what you won't. And ultimately, this world is about sacrifice. I preached a message not too long ago. You can go look it up. And I, I, I can't remember exactly what series it was. But when I talked about the minute that Abraham, I mean, excuse me, Adam and Eve were, were excommunicated from the garden, they understood that life was going to be about sacrifice. That no longer could they just sit back and wait. They knew they had to sacrifice, what? Their pleasure right now for their security tomorrow. They couldn't just sit on the beach uh, drinking Mai Tais because the hurricane was coming sooner or later. And they had to sacrifice. What did they sacrifice? They had to sacrifice their pleasure and their leisure to build, to work, to do what needs to be done. Because ultimately, that need for sacrifice would come and be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And that's the Christian life. But can I tell you something? Not only are we called the sacrifice, but we are called by God. The Bible says, and this is very, very interesting, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies how? You know, it's interesting because when I was 10 years old, I memorized this as a part of a Bible drill competition. There were some 30, 40, 50 verses we had to memorize, all the books of the Bible, different passages, all kinds of different things, because there was four different components, and you had to make it through the church, the regional, and then eventually the state level. And in order to get the this, to win state, you had to be perfect, flawless. And that was interesting because the first Bible verse I memorized was this one because it was the longest, one of the longest. For a 10-year-old, that's not bad, you know? And so I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to knock out the hardest, and, and, and this is the one I was having trouble with, but it's the one that stuck the longest. Amen? 
And I just want you to, to look at some words that are presented there. It says, I urge you, in light of God's mercy, in light of the fact that God loved you so much to present. Present is a technical word. It's something only the priest could do. If you were not a priest, you could not present a sacrifice. And yet God is saying, I'm calling you to sacrifice who? Not a bull, not a ram, not a pigeon, but you. You are called to be the sacrifice now. And you're called to lay your life down at the altar. Isn't that what Jesus said? If any man cares to be my disciple, he must what? Die to himself. Because at the end of the day, if you want to live, you must first die. And so if you want to be a living sacrifice, you still need to come to God and say, Lord, I need to die that you might live. That's how you present this sacrifice. You say, Lord, help me to die to myself. Come on, how many of us know we all want to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die? Isn't that true? Dying is hard. Come on, how many of you know being a Christian is hard? Some of you are going, no, it's super easy. You're not doing it right. I promise you're not doing it right. Even Paul said, I strain. I work. I run. I buffet my body, meaning I subdue my body for the sake of the, of the kingdom, meaning the things that I want to do, I have to learn to die in every circumstance, in every situation. Come on, how many of us know to, to live by the flesh? That's easy. You just do whatever comes natural. When a situation unfolds itself and you get angry, come on, it's easy just to respond in anger, isn't it? It's easy just to fly off the handle. It's easy just to say whatever comes to mind. It's hard to say, no, Lord, I represent you. I'm going to learn to, what, operate in humility. I'm going to learn to operate with patience and kindness. I'm going to learn to treat others the way I want. Oh, come on now. You mean it's not do unto others before they do to me? No. And so when you present yourself, this is, this is so important because watch what he says. As living sacrifice is holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. In another version it says, this is your good and proper worship. This is how you worship God with your body. Do you realize that this theme is found throughout the New Testament? Because the Old Testament was were types and shadows. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament was a type and a shadow, meaning it foreshadowed what was to come. And what was to come was the ultimate sacrifice that would bring us into right standing with God. And because now we are no longer strangers, but we are part of God's family, and we have been washed white as snow, now we are called to what? To be the sacrifice ourselves, to be the priests. You have authority as a priest. Read with me what Peter says. Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Precious to him. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, you also, like living stones, are being built into a super 
a, a spiritual house, excuse me, a supernatural house, a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for in the scripture it says, and then he begins to quote Isaiah, Psalms, and then Isaiah again. And then ultimately, he highlights the idea that we are chosen. That's point number one. You're chosen. Did you know that? It's not an accident you're here. You were chosen by the hand of God. He predestined you. He chose you for his good pleasure because it made him feel great to love you and to care for you. Say, yeah, but you don't understand. He saw the potential that I had. No, you don't understand. You had no potential without him. Amen? You go, no, no, wait a minute, Pastor. All these years, you're kind of wrecking my faith here. I thought I chose him. I guess you did. I guess that's why we walk into his presence and say, I'm here. And then with an attitude of, you're welcome. Isn't that the way we come into prayer sometimes? I know, I know pastor would love me to raise my hands and hop a little bit and get excited about worship and Jason, Karen, and Jonah, and Raquel, and Evelyn, they're all playing their hardest, they're trying to get, but you know what, at least I'm here. God should be happy with that. I guess you do feel that way when you think you chose him instead of understanding that you were dead, 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 and he made you alive. He chose you. He stirred something up in your heart and made you come alive. And you go, but I just don't feel that. Then maybe you're still dead. He had to cry out to the living God and say, Lord, make me alive for your sake. Amen. No, but, but, but uh, I'm not here to preach on predestination today, but I am here to tell you that God chose us. Isn't this what the Bible says? If we read further down in that passage, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. In another version, it says, a peculiar people. I heard a pastor say once, you are misfits. You don't quite fit in this world anymore once, the, once you're a Christian, Amen. How many of you are like, I don't want to fit in the world? Isn't that what Paul says? Paul says, watch, you are a priesthood, so present your bodies as living sacrifices. Then he goes on to say, and be not conformed to the pattern of this world. Why? Because you don't fit in this world. Peter goes on to say the same thing. You don't fit in this world. And sometimes it's going to feel like sacrifice, but this is the beauty about sacrifice. Sacrifice reveals something. It reveals something. We'll talk more about that, but get, stay with me on this. You are God's special possessions that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. You know why you were saved? You know why you were chosen? That you might praise him. Oh, when you come in this room and we're praising, you need to get your praise on. It's the very purpose for you being a Christian. It's the very purpose. You say, what, 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 what might happen? You know what might happen? Something spiritual. Something spiritual might happen that will change you forever. 
ever. Some of us are wondering, why can't I get to that next level? Why can't I feel the freedom that pastors always talking about? Why? Praise him like you're free. Praise him like you were called to praise him. Amen? Come on. Praise him like you would praise the Dallas Cowboys winning or losing. You can always tell how somebody praises by the Dallas Cowboys because you either hate them or you love them. I happen to not like them. So when they're losing, I'm like, yeah. That's how you need to praise the Lord, right there. Somebody said, no, that's just the way God made me. Then I go watch a Cowboys game with them, and they're going nuts. I go, yeah, God made you that way, I'm sure. Listen, listen to me. Why am I talking about God choosing us? Because at the end of the day, you are chosen. You said, but pastor, I thought I was free. Yes, you were chosen, but free. Now, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. How do you reconcile predestination, election, foreknowledge, and free will? Whoa, whoa, slow down. Let me say it again. Predestination, that means God predestined you. Election, foreknowledge, that means God foreknew, and free will. So are you telling me that God sends some people to hell, but he just chose me out of the goodness of his heart not to save me to hell, not to send me to hell? No, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is this, is that God knew who was going to be saved. And he sent Jesus before the foundation of the world with that foreknowledge because God is, not, God is one in thought and action. When he went to make the human race, he already saw you. And he saw your whole life, good, bad, and ugly. And he saw all of those that would, you say, oh, so it's all about his foreknowledge. No. You've got to reconcile all of these at once. And that's why Paul says it's a mystery. But let me share this with you. Yes, he foreknew. And he saw that you would have faith. But let me get back to election. Who's the one that gave you that faith? So is it election? Is it foreknowledge? Is it predestination? Is it free will? Yes. Yes. But which one is it? Yes. Yes. Now let me put it to you in a more practical sense. Who's the one? He foreknew your faith. But so if God chose you to be free and he foreknew your faith, Who's the one that gave you that faith? Oh, I'm back where I started. And if he's the one that gave you that faith, then he's the one that gets all the credit. That's why the Bible says salvation is wholly of him. It's completely of him. How can you take credit for something you had nothing to do with? But I had to choose. But how could you choose if he had not first revealed? Because revelation comes. Oh, come on. And leads to knowledge. And so as you become as you become aware of God, then you choose Him, but He makes you aware because of His good pleasure first. Well, you're, you're confusing me. 
I'm not confusing you, but I'm trying to get you to understand. Come on, let's think practically. Some of us have thought too much of our own faith and not understood that it was God who loved you enough to create this beautiful world so that you might live in it and everything around it points to him. Why do you think the enemy is so dead bent on, on destroying faith at its very, very groundwork through, through evolution? He says, no, God didn't create the world. It's an accident. Yet God says, everything around you points to my hand of love for you. I have the sun shine on you. I have the rain fall on you. I provide for you through the seasons and the very aspects of life. But it's not perfect. No, it's not perfect. It's meant to move you to faith that you might trust me. And while you trust me, I reveal myself to you and show that I am trustworthy and when you understand that I am trustworthy, then you understand that you can what? Enter into relationship with me. And when I think about this, I think of the fact that every aspect of my life, God has been there even when I didn't recognize it. And if it weren't for God who was on my side, the devil would have swallowed me up alive. Some of us should understand that we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for God's love, who predestined us, who chose us, who said he is mine, he is mine, he is mine. The enemy was on me like a duck on a June bug, trying to get me in prison, dead or worse. You go, what's worse? He wanted me in hell. But God chose me. And God orchestrated things in my life. And God was moving. And God was allowing me to come to the point of faith. But how can I take credit for something where he was all along there wooing me, telling me I love you? Now, we're going to talk about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we see something amazing with the sacrifice of Abraham because God calls him to sacrifice and as Abraham sacrifices, you're going to see this, he, he's, going to, he's going to step forward in faith. But this is amazing about, about his sacrifice, um, that it didn't start with his son. First he said, I need you to leave your father's house, and then I need you to leave certain friends behind. All of those are sacrifices. Come on, how many of us have been asked to do something similar? I need you to get out of a situation. I need you to change locations. I need you to change friendships and people that you used to hang out with. And some of you are going, oh, that's such a sacrifice. And God's saying it's for your own good. Because I love you. Because watch, sacrifice brings out faith. And then faith brings you into a fear of God. You go, what do you mean fear? Watch. Sacrifice, faith. Faith brings revelation of God. As you, God reveals himself to you, you see how awesome he is and you can't help but fear him. But that's not a fear of I want to get away from you, God. No, I can't live without you, Lord. I'm so fearful of going back to who I was. I need you in such a... And so as you get into this relationship with God, he's not your buddy. He's the king of all glory. Yeah. 
He's not the man upstairs. No, he is the king of glory, creator of all, the one who died for me and gives me an audience with him. I am so humbled, Lord, that I can come into the throne of grace and have conversation with you. I'll never take that for granted. So watch, you come into relationship. That's intimacy. Intimacy. And this is what happens. You go, Abraham didn't just start sacrificing his son. He took step by step by step by step on a journey of faith. And this is why the Bible says you walk out your faith. And as you walk it, you grow. And ultimately, that's called work. Yeah. Work, 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 work. You go, what do you mean, Pastor? Oh, you're, you're really flirting with some doctrinal issues here. First, you're getting all over predestination. Now you're talking about workspace righteousness. What's happening? Stay with me. What does the Bible say? James puts it this way. Do you see that faith was working together with his works? What do you mean? Abraham's faith was working with his work. What does that mean? It means his faith was being strengthened by his walk. That's what it means. Watch. By the works, faith was made perfect. It was being strengthened. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What did I just explain to you? You thought I was just making that stuff up, didn't you? Some of you are in your Bibles going, I don't believe him. It's right there. Watch. God reveals himself to you. That's why he chose you. He chose to woo you. And he says, this is who I am. Do you trust me? And Abraham says, yes, I trust you. And as he walked out his faith, he came into relationship with God through this mechanism of fear and intimacy. And as he comes into relationship, the Bible says, you are my friend. God says that you are my friend. See, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. You go, what are you telling me? Are you telling me I got to work for my salvation? No, I'm saying that if you are saved, you work. Whoa, 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 what do you mean? I mean, faith is a, is a word that has a byproduct. It just, it just does. Faith has a consequence. What does that mean? I mean, if you have faith, you have works. Faith is best talked about uh, excuse me, is best shown, not talked about. What do I mean? Talk is cheap. Show me. That's what Abraham, that's what saying. You go, but, but why? I don't know. Why did God choose to leave us here after we're saved? Because salvation is what? Demonstrated, not just claimed demonstrated you have it right there and you say what are you telling me you've just committed one of the unpardonable sins you've gone against the solas of the reformation no no i truly i understand what they are they're right up there and 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 i know that the second one is sola fide which is 
faith alone. But this is what I'm telling you, that real faith shows up in your walk. Because after all, it's Paul that says, work out your faith with fear and trembling. Notice what he does not say. He does not say work for your faith, for your salvation. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means you've already got it. God chose you. But now get to it, man. Get to it. Work it out. Show me. Show me. Work it. Walk it. Because at the end of the day, God is transforming you into the likeness of his Son, you say, oh, pastor, man, are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. I'm positive. Because God wants to, to, bring, to bring you into deeper and deeper relationship. And this is a progression. Everyone looking at me, this is the progression. Faith produces hope, and then hope goes to, goes to love. You see that in Romans chapter 5. How do I know? Because he says this. I'm not going to put it up there. I'm just coming. I didn't share this with first service. You're getting extra. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says that tribulations, hardships, trials, you should be glad for them because they produce what? Perseverance and faith. And perseverance will lead to hope. But hope will not have its, will not be settled just there. It will lead to ultimately love. Love because then you'll know that you can trust God and that you can have relationship. Come on, without trust, can you love your wife? Without trust, can you love your, your husband? Well, you can trust God and God is saying, you can trust me. And I'm going to show you through the sacrifice I called you to. Sacrifice. Just like I sacrificed my son, you sacrificed for me. Now, ultimately, God paid the ultimate sacrifice. How so? Think about it. Can you think of a greater sacrifice than giving your child parents? For those of you who don't have children, can you think of a greater sacrifice than yourself? And yet God fulfilled both. How? He fulfilled both in that God the Father gave his son and Jesus gave himself. Isn't that beautiful? And so God says, through my sacrifice, I come into relationship. Through your sacrifice, you come into relationship. And so you must, number one, put to death certain things. And number two, present. What do you mean, put to death, pastor? You must put to death some things. Put to death some things that don't belong there. In the book of Colossians, chapter 3, I'm jumping way down. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, the Bible says, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, such as fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of what? In which you yourself once walked. See, you used to walk that way, but now you're walking with God, in faith, in sacrifice. So you say, well, pastor, so there's some things that need to be put to death. Yeah, we're going back to sacrifice, putting some things to death and presenting others. The things that I've seen that I've had to put to death, I didn't even know I had to put them to death until I got alone with God. And so that's why it's so important to get in the secret place and to mix it up with the Father because how many of us think we're better than we are? 
This is why the Bible says, listen to me, I'm quoting some more. Um, out of uh, Romans chapter 12, we just said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies how? A living sacrifice, right? And do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the regime of your mind. Verse 3, and do not think of yourself. I'm, I'm hitting the, the main point. More what? Highly than you ought to, but according to the faith that God has given you. So he's telling you, even your faith comes from him. Why? Because he's the one that's been revealing. All you had to do is say, ah, duh, yeah. Right? And so watch this. He says, don't think of yourself more highly because that's typically what happens when we come before the Lord and he has to humble us and show us how to think. And one of the ways he did that with me is I used to always put limitations on him and those limitations had to die. And it happened during my private prayer time with him when I would say, uh, Lord, I'll do anything for you, but I'll never preach. I think that's funny in that I'm doing it right now. And I go, I'm, I won't do it. Come on, how many of us have certain things that we tell the Lord? Lord, I'll do anything except... And I'll go, I'll do anything except preach the gospel. I'll be a deacon, I'll do Sunday school, I'll serve, I'll do this, I'll do that, but I won't preach the gospel. Then God moves me and he says, you need to sacrifice that. Then I sacrificed it and now I'm ready to preach, but now I don't want to preach anywhere. I want to preach certain places. I was like, I'll preach, Lord, but don't send me to Africa or South America. Missionaries die there. Like, I, I just don't feel like that's my calling, God. And so then the Lord breaks that down as I put it on the altar. Come on, put it to death. And then I'm like, okay, Lord, send me anywhere except God let it be this or that. And then got to kill that one. Then I think I'm fine. And all of a sudden, through the years, as I'm walking out my faith and putting things on the, come on now. Come on, well, Pastor, I can't think of something I put on the altar recently. Hello. Get in your private time. Get in your secret place. Get in that place and mix it up with the Lord because the Lord wants to see your relationship with him grow. Amen. And so I can remember one time I'm having a really hard time in ministry and I'm really freaking out. And uh, I'm just not satisfied. And I feel like, Lord, I'm getting to my prime. I want to get out of Bastrop. It's a small town. I think I can do more. And it just won't let me go, and it won't let me go. So finally, I decide, Lord's not talking to me. Oh, well. I just grabbed a beer, and I popped it open. I went outside, and I said, let's talk, God. It's kind of arrogant, isn't it? And I, I don't even like drinking. I'm like, I'm sitting there, and some of you are going, that is so bad. I said, no, getting drunk is bad. But having a bad attitude is even worse. I wasn't planning on getting drunk, but I definitely had the bad attitude. And I feel the Lord in his love because he is so loving, says, son, um, I thought you said you'd do anything for me and you'd go anywhere. I put the beer down. I'm like, yeah, I'll go anywhere, Lord. He's going to send me somewhere cool. He's going to send me somewhere awesome. I don't even know the place, but it's going to be great and it won't be Bastrop. Come on, you know the feeling. Sometimes you feel the same way I do. Don't even lie to me. And so I hear him say, oh. Lexi's like, 
<laughs> yes. Lexi, be careful. Watch, watch how the story ends. And so he says, you'll go anywhere. I said, yes, I'll go anywhere. How about right where I put you for the rest of your life? What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> you know, like, What? Come on, how many of you know it's in sacrifice that you come into relationship with God? I've never been happier. He's revealed some things that never could have been for my children, that never could have been for my spouse, never could have been for us, and, and, and never could have been for us. Without saying, no, Lord, it's about you, not me. Amen. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Because at the end of the day, this sacrifice, some things need to be put to death. Other things are presented. So I presented myself, said, Lord, you have full, full car block with me. Lord, do what you want. And that goes into honor. Because at the end of the day, it's like the great missionary, Jim Elliott, who went to Ecuador and died. They made a movie of him called The End of the Spear, said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. How about C.T. Studd? He was a missionary to China, India, and Africa. Said only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years. Each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each of its days I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life, twill, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about sacrifice. One of the best ways you can start learning sacrifice and come into relationship with the heart of God is to tithe. You go, what? Oh yeah, that teaches you weekly, monthly, how to be faithful to God. Tithe. Yeah, pastor, but the Bible doesn't teach that in the New Testament. Jesus said in the New Testament, you tithe and you do good. That means he commended it. Yeah, but find me more scriptures. How many more do you need than the ones Jesus just, the words Jesus just said? Yeah, but, but the Bible doesn't say that in the New Testament. Let me share what the New Testament is about with you. Let me give you some examples. The, New, the Old Testament says do not murder. The New Testament says what? Do not hate. The Old Testament says, don't commit adultery. The New Testament says, don't lust. The Old Testament says, love your neighbor. The New Testament says, love your enemies. How about this? The Old Testament says, tithe. And the New Testament says, give less than 10%. The New Testament says sacrifice in your giving. Because when you learn to give, then your heart is drawn to the Savior. This is what the Bible says. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So when you give God your treasure, then your heart is drawn towards him. And you're able to do other sacrifices you never would have been able to do before you gave. 
Some of us are saying, I don't hear God. I don't hear God because your heart is positioned away from God. This is so important at the end of the day. This is what it means to work out your salvation. Uh, uh, because what you're doing is saying, look, I have faith. But I need to learn to walk out this faith. Because at the end of the day, there is a, listen to me, sanctifying sacrificial faith that brings me in alignment with the heart of God. With the heart of God. And that takes a lifetime of walking in faith. We finish with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The Bible says that Abraham walked out his faith. He was called the friend of God. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Because ultimately, listen to me, Jesus said, depart from me for I never knew you. You had no knowledge of me. We were not intimate. Because when you walk in faith, then you begin to understand you can trust God. And when you understand you can trust God, you begin to know him. To really, really know him. And that's when he says, I know you too. Come in. Ultimately, we're talking about an Isaac-type sacrifice. An Isaac-type, Abraham-Isaac-type relationship. What is that? What was that relationship symbolic of? Stay with me. Don't lose, don't lose your attention in these last few minutes. What was that relationship symbolic of? Abraham, Father God, Isaac, Jesus Christ. Watch, I'm about to hit you with some, some truth bombs here. Stay with me. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, Watch the words, here I am. What does that mean? I am is a state of being. Well, what is his state of being? His state of being is one in which he is walking with God. Here I am, Lord. I'm on your path. I can hear you. Why? Because my ear is turned towards you. My face is toward, toward, turned towards you. You are my priority, God. So many times, God says, Manuel, Samuel, David, Jenny, Kaylee, Haley. And we're like, my state of being is about myself, me, myself, and I. We don't even hear God. Notice, those words are important. Here I am. Why? Because I'm pointed towards you. I can hear you clearly. And he says, Take your son, your only son, the one I promised you, and go sacrifice him. Yeah, no, I did not hear God. I think that was a mistake. No, he heard him clearly. He says, okay, so watch, early the next morning. He didn't hesitate. The next morning, he got up, he loaded his donkey, he took two servants with him and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, this is why I say that Abraham represents the Father, God, and Isaac represents Jesus. Why? Because when you cut enough wood to burn a body, it's a lot. It's quite a bit amount of wood. Who carries the wood up the mountain? Is he a baby? He's a young man. He's old enough to overpower his father. And say, you're not killing me. 
This represents Jesus Christ. Isaac willingly lays his life down. And the father willingly gives his son for you and me. That we might be chosen. So watch. They're heading up the mountain. Abraham took the wood, the bird offered, placed it on Isaac. And he took the knife and the, and, and, and the fire. And then Isaac said, Dad, we have the fire, we have the wood, but we don't have the sacrifice. And, God's, and, and, and Abraham says, God the Father will provide. And so we know that God the Father provides. How so? When Abraham takes the knife to plunge it into his son's heart, the father stops him and says, don't lay a hand on the boy. Don't do anything to him. Now I know that you fear me. I know that your faith is real and not just talk. That's what this grand exercise of life is all about. That's what this grand exercise of life is all about. If not, you would proclaim faith and zoop be zapped into heaven. But instead, you get to walk it out. You get to enter into real relationship with God. After all, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, but then you've got to stay on the path. It's called the path of sanctification, sanctifying sacrifice, day after day after day, putting God first, putting God first, putting God first. Now, this is where we end. You have to understand that so many times you'll be, te you'll be tempted to sacrifice your Isaac and say, I'm going to sacrifice my Isaac, and you'll take the knife and then go... God, you didn't stop me. What in the world? And then the Lord will say, I never told you. You just did it because you thought you wanted to level up. You wanted to level up. You wanted to increase. You wanted to do something to impress me. Instead, be obedient to do what I've called you to do. A lot of times, we sacrifice our Isaac but it's not Isaac, it's an idol. Ooh, what do I mean it's an idol? How do I know it's an idol? When you imitate somebody else. When you're not looking at God, you're looking at others. And your state of being is one of competition, one of comparing, one of always saying, well, what worked for him? Maybe it'll work for me. No, God is a personal God. Amen? You say, but, but there's so much to think about. There are a lot of things to think about. That's why you've got to spend time in the where? In the secret place. So that God will speak to you and say, this is an Isaac. This is an idol. This is something that needs to be put to death. This is something I want you to offer. Amen. Come on, what is God calling you to offer? What is God calling you to put to death? As we finish, I want to make my invitation this way. Everyone, everyone just relax. And ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you.
I just thought of this last night. I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to say it. I told my wife I'm going to do this because the Lord put it on my heart. But there's some people in this room. And I love you dearly and you're chosen by God. But you guys have been living together and acting like you're married and you're not married. Get married. Get married. You go, we're not ready to get married. Are you ready to sacrifice for God? And do it his way? So I'm going to set a date. I'm going to set a date where anyone who has not had a, a uh, marriage before God, maybe you got married at the JP, that's great, but you want to do it in the church. We're going to decorate this whole church. We're going to have an amazing ceremony. And while the worship team plays, maybe right over here in this corner, We'll have these seats facing that way. Everyone else will be worshiping. You come in your best, and we'll provide the flowers, and we'll do a celebration, but we'll get right before the Lord. Amen? We'll get right before the Lord. Because I truly believe in God's blessing. That's what we're talking about. You might say, oh, pastor, I, I, I never thought of that. What else is the Holy Spirit talking to you about? 